Amen. Wasn't that a wonderful time of worship this morning? It's just great to be back and preaching. Um, let me just say, Steve did an excellent job last week. I listened to his preach on Dynamic Church, was it? Uh, and the headings, Promise, Purpose and Plan. Very clear headings. Mine's not going to be as clear headings this morning. I've kind of gone as God's directed me. So it's not going to be the normal constructed sermon. If you're looking for a, a very well-constructed sermon, it won't be that this morning. I'm going to go with just what God, I feel, has been given me and what I have to share. So I hope that's okay. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever been involved in raising anybody from the dead? Anybody here? One person, yes? Yes? Anybody seen anybody raised from the dead? No? Well, I have. And I've also been involved in raising people from the dead. You're thinking, you kept that quiet, Pete. You've never said anything about that before. You see, you can see dead people brought back to life. You can be involved in raising the dead. Anybody want that? Anybody want that? You see, at Pentecost, which we're talking about this morning, the dynamic power, that power, it's the same spirit, the same power that some versions use that raised Jesus from the dead. We often quote that verse. And yet... That same power lives in you and me. If we've been born again in the Spirit, if we've been baptized in the Spirit, that same power lives in you and lives in me. Yes? That's what the Word says. Is the, does the Word lie? No. no. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> I've uh, got my wealth well, well prepared. You see, you may not raise someone physically from the dead, and I haven't, but we're called to raise people from death to life as we share the gospel. And as we do that, we will see it happen. John, John 5, 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Do you know you've had a resurrection when you were born again? You passed from death to life. Yes? You came alive in God. You were spiritually dead, dead in your trespass and sins. But God came and made you alive in Christ. Yes, that's his purpose for each one of us. I don't know what you think about when you think of the word power. The dictionary says it's the ability or capacity to do something or act in a particular way. The capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others. Or to supply a device with mechanical electrical energy, move or travel with great speed or force. Now, I have never seen the Power Rangers. Anybody here seen the Power Rangers? For the uneducated, which I am one, this is a team of youths recruited and trained by a mentor to morph into these superheroes. They possess superhuman strength, ability, and durability. Each team of Power Rangers obeys a general set of rules, which includes not using their superpowers for personal gain. Very commendable. Do you know this morning that God has called you 
and recruited you as a Power Ranger. You're one of God's Power Rangers. He's committed to changing you, to morphing you more into the image of Jesus every day. He wants to morph you, to change you into the image of his son. And on the day of Pentecost, he gave his church the power needed to do this through the Holy Spirit. God wants to empower you to effect change in your own life and the life of those who you come in contact with. I'm going to say that again. God wants to empower you to effect change in your own life and in the life of those you come into contact with. You see, after his water baptism, Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit and immediately went into the wilderness. It says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why did he need the power of the Holy Spirit? Because he was going to confront the devil. This was the beginning of the war, if you like. This is when Jesus came face to face, if you like, with his adversary. And he conquered him. How did he conquer him? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it is written. When the devil came and tempted him, Jesus said, it is written. He knew the power of the written word. And he overcame the enemy. The Father and Jesus knew the importance of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, as Steve said last week, told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for this gift his Father promised. He would be like another Jesus who would come alongside. Do you think they just sat there? Oh, We've been, I don't know how many long here, guys. Nothing happening, is it? No. When it says they were to wait, they waited seeking God in prayer. They weren't static. They were in action, waiting for God, in expectation. God, we're waiting. We're here. Come on. And they went day after day waiting like that. So let's turn to Acts 2, 1 to 13. My Bible says the Holy Spirit comes as a, a little line at the top. And it says this. On the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, wouldn't you love to have been there? Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. I'm reading for the New Living Translation, by the way. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. They heard, they saw, and they proclaimed. They heard something, they saw something. What they heard, what they saw, they proclaimed. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. Remember, the people outside the building heard this, as well as those inside. Everybody came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, 
Elamites, etc., etc., etc. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages. What were they speaking about? The wonderful things of God. The wonderful things of God. This was the result of them being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They heard them speaking the wonderful things of God. What can they, this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. I think it's a word for the church. Are you this morning a receiver or a ridiculer? These people are non-Christians. These people are drunk. But I've heard Christians say that about other moves of the Spirit that have gone on. When you think of power, let's be honest, the first thing you think, you don't think about the church, do you? Do you? Anybody here, if, if someone says power to you, you know, you think of a Formula 1 racing car, a rocket, I don't know. But whatever. But you don't think about the church. You don't think about the church. Yet, the church is the most powerful force on earth to affect change in individuals' lives, in communities, in towns, in cities, and in nations. It is the greatest force on earth. But do we as Christians, do I, do we actually believe it? That the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. It's the power of God. How were you saved? Because somebody shared their testimony. You went to a meeting, somebody preached. And you came under conviction of sin. Who convicted you of sin? The Holy Spirit. Who revealed Jesus to you? The Holy Spirit. That's his job. It says in the Bible, he comes to convict of sin and judgment and righteousness. That's his job. Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to defeat and destroy the works of the enemy. If Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? How much more do we? It says in 1 John 3, 5, two reasons that Jesus came. To take away our sins and to destroy the works of the devil. Every time somebody gets saved, we're destroying the works of the devil. Do you know that? Every time we see somebody healed, somebody restored, the works of the devil are destroyed. And that's what we as the church are here for. You see, we talk about the power of prayer, of love, of the gospel, of forgiveness. But none of these things has any power if they're done in our own strength. Can you truly love as God wants you to love without his power working in you? Can you truly forgive without the power of God working in you? I can't. I can't. You can't either. We can't do it in our own strength. But having said that, God can use things done in our own strength because he is the sovereign God. And he can overrule in every situation and circumstance. But normally, it can't be done in our own strength. So what was special about the Feast of Pentecost? Just quickly. Well, it's 50 days after the Passover when the Jews celebrated deliverance from Egypt. Pentecost was known as the Feast of Weeks. Basically, it was a harvest festival. The Jews came to offer the first fruits of the harvest. So Pentecost was the first of 
was the Feast of First Fruits, which was symbolical, symbolical of the first fruits. The harvest garden on that first Pentecost, which ushered in the age of the Holy Spirit, that was the first fruit of the age of the Spirit that came in at Pentecost. And what happened? 3,000 were saved. What a harvest, the first day. Secondly, Pentecost was associated in the Jewish worship with the giving of the law from Sinai. That's right, isn't it, Keith? He's nodding his head. He knows all about these things. Fifty days after Exodus from Egypt, the Israelites received the law from Sinai. What was the law given for? To reveal sin in them. What did the Holy Spirit come to do? To convict of sin. And apparently, to this day, the gift of the law is kept in view in the Jewish observance of Pentecost. The main message of Peter's sermon was the conviction of sin, which resulted in the cry, Brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? Listen, conviction of sin is the prelude to a reformed life. I'm going to say that again. Conviction of sin is the prelude to reformed life. Without conviction of sin, there can be no reformed life. Before anyone can be saved, they need to know a conviction of sin and the need of a saviour. One commentator says this, the first gift of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the day which, in Jewish thought, was specially consecrated to the giving of the law from Sinai, was specially fitted to the mission of him, who will convict the world in respect of sin. So you can see how the Old Testament and New Testament all fit together. Thirdly, the first fruits on the, on the day of Pentecost are typical of the ingathering of all nations to Christ. Read at the end in, in, in Revelation 7 and 9. You know, more foreign Jews attended Pentecost than any other Jewish feast. There were people from all over the known world. And at the end of time, there'll be people standing around the throne, what? From every tribe and tongue and nation. So what happened? Those who were present on the day of Pentecost had an amazing experience. Firstly, they heard what sounded like a mighty rushing wind and saw tongues of fire alighting on each person. They heard, they saw. It wasn't something, it was something that they experienced. It was not done imperceivably. In, in other words, it, they didn't, it wasn't done so they didn't know about it. They knew about it. They heard this mighty rushing wing. They saw these tongues of fire. When Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit, he heard his Father's voice. He saw and experienced the Holy Spirit descend upon him in the form of a dove. Going back to the Old Testament, if you look in the Old Testament, there was a column of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night as the Holy Spirit led the people of Israel through the wilderness. Secondly, they spoke in foreign languages they had never heard. When they heard the, noise, the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? This was a supernatural occurrence. These were mostly uneducated fishermen, laborers, peasants, who had very little or no education. Yet they heard them speaking in their own languages. I can't speak French. 
I can't speak Spanish. I wish I could. But you have to take years to learn languages. It's hard slog. These people instantly, that moment, were speaking all the languages of the known world. How did it happen? Supernatural occurrence by the Spirit. Yeah, exactly. It's the supernatural. I want, do you want more of the supernatural in the church? I do. I long for the days when we see more of the supernatural. We, we worship a supernatural God. Yet sometimes we don't expect him to move in power. There was a, a new expression in worship. Why do I say that? It says, and we, we all hear these people speak in their own language about what the wonderful things God has done. When we sing that song, I'm a child of God. I forget the, the chorus now. What's the chorus go? For I'm a child of God. I don't know what it is. That's it. I'm no longer a slave. What wonderful words. What I could have just, I got lost in that song because it impacted me with the fact of what God had done for me. If I've got nothing else to be thankful for, I've got my salvation to be thankful for. And you've got the same this morning. John Piper, the pastor and theologian, says, Overflowing with worship and praise. The reason I say they're overflowing with worship and praise is because of verse 11. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Luke calls this the fullness of the Holy Spirit in verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. Being filled with the Holy Spirit here is being overwhelmed with the greatness of God. I love that. Being overwhelmed with the greatness of God. The literal translation of verse 11 is that they were speaking the greatness of God. Since the Spirit was giving them utterance, and since the utterance was of God's greatness, I take the fullness of the Spirit to mean that the Spirit's experience of the greatness of God becomes our experience of the greatness of God. I know when I got baptized in the Spirit, my, my Christian life took on a whole new dimension. You see, there was something happening here. Wind, fire, speaking foreign languages. What's it all about? No wonder people came running. Power was released upon the church and would never be the same again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I was saved in 1972, joined what was known. There's a lot of people, a lot younger than I. Some people won't even know this. But it was in the days of what they call the charismatic renewal. In the mid to late 60s, um, certain Anglican bishops and, and people got baptized in the Spirit. And there were exciting days as God began to pour out, pour his spirit on the church. The days of dead orthodoxy were over. These were days of new wine. The river of God was flowing into the church. And those who desired in the church were mightily changed. But there was those who, no, what is this? They refused it. They refused it. You see, there was an explosion of worship. As people began to express God's greatness by writing new songs and choruses, as we call them, accompanied by guitars and drums, the organ got slung out. Some people didn't like that. Dead churches were becoming alive in the spirit. Do you know dead church can be brought back to life? There's resurrection power for dead churches. Spiritual gifts were being 
exercise, tongues, prophecy, healings, all taking place. Prayer meetings came alive in God. There were no dead formal prayer meetings, but people crying out to God from the bottom of their hearts, for their family, for their friends, their work colleagues, their nation. I have never been in prayer meetings like them since. I regret that. There used to be about 12 of us meet on a Wednesday night. That's when Mary got baptized in the Spirit one of these prayer meetings. People prophesied. That's the first place I ever prophesied. And there was just, we went sometimes from half past seven till 11 o'clock at night. Praying, worshipping, God's spirit coming. I feel we've lost those days. I believe at the moment the church now is settling for a new kind of orthodoxy. We've got our drums, we've got our guitars, we've got our worship songs, and everything's nice now. Well, we never had that before. This was all new to us. And we've kind of settled into a, you know, it's nice, isn't it? Got this lovely building. It's nice. It's comfortable. Does God want us to be comfortable? Don't think so. Then in the late 1780s came the house church movement. This new wine, this river was rejected by some who didn't want change and didn't like all this new extravagant worship and spiritual gifts, etc., etc. They didn't like this supernatural stuff. This caused those who embraced that to be kicked out or having to leave the traditional churches. And we had the house church movement. From this came the Dales and the Downs Bible Weeks, which catered for this hunger and thirst for more of God. Then in another milestone in the 90s, we had what we call the Toronto Blessing. Again, some embraced it as a move of God and others rejected it. We do need to constantly test things, see if they're of God. But sometimes, unfortunately, these moves can result in division. I heard just last week, see, we've settled sometimes into this kind of orthodoxy. And there's some churches now are getting very gimmicky. I was speaking to somebody just the other week who was looking for a new church, not here in Sutton. They'd gone to this church where all the lights were very low. There was the smoke machine, flashing lights. The person said it was more like a rave than church. Is that... I'm not knocking it, because if people like that, that's, that's fine. That's their thing. But for me, if we've got to revert to smoke machines, flashing lights and dimmed halls... To get people in, I think we're lacking something. Surely it's God moving by his spirit, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't that the answer? Not gimmicks, but a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Am I wrong? You know, if I am, tell me. But that's what I believe anyway, and that's why I believe what the Word says. You see, even on the day of Pentecost, some rejected what was obviously a supernatural event by saying they are drunk. We have to be careful we don't fall into that category. God will choose on whom, when, how and when he pours out his spirit. Ridicule her or receive her. I just long for, yeah, I hope this morning God will pour out his spirit upon us. So why was the Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost? (sighs) 
I'm, I'm sorry, I'm running out of time, but was it to thrill us with the experience of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural? No. Was it enabled to us to move in the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Was it to help us in prayer and worship? Yes. But the overwhelming reason Steve referred to this, the Holy Spirit was given us to empower his church to be a witness to the goodness and the greatness of our God. That's why the Holy Spirit was given. Note the result of the greatest sermon ever preached by the Apostle Peter, who proclaimed the life, death and resurrection. His, his sermon contained four elements that we constantly need today to preach repentance, faith, they believed, baptism water and baptism the Spirit. Many people, I believe, have been saved by repenting of their sins, putting their faith, their trust in Jesus and have been baptised in water. But, and it's a big but, sadly, for whatever reason, they have never been baptised in the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you and ask yourself, have you been baptised in the Holy Spirit? And if you say, I don't know, I would say you haven't. Because it doesn't happen without you knowing about it. Listen, you will never live your Christian life as God intended. You will never do the things he wants you to do unless you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yes? Question. Have you received this initial empowering and are you still being filled on a regular basis? So how do I receive this power? You have to come to the source, to Jesus. Some of us need to repent of fear and lack of desire for more of God in our lives. Many of us need to empty ourselves of the things which clutter up our lives and surrender afresh our ambitions, plans and desires to God so we can embrace his plans. You know, many of us live our lives with compartments. We have our social life here, our family life here, our work life here, and our church life there. That's not how God intends us to live. As the words have come this morning, that God wants to affect every part of your life. Your family life, your work life, your social life, and your church life. There's no compartments. It's all. God wants to affect every part of your life. The same power that raised Jesus that lives in you, but that power needs to be released. How to release this power? It's by faith. We receive it by faith and we release it by faith. You see, a light bulb is a very useful item, isn't it, in a darkened room. But if there's no light bulb in or you haven't put the switch on, it's useless. You need to switch it on or screw a bulb in and switch it on. You know, some of us this morning need screwing in and switching on. I don't know if that's one of you. I needed that. You see, faith is the key which releases the power in us. It's, it's the evidence of faith, isn't it? As James says, how do you know? I will show you the evidence by my works. Do you remember Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, came to Jesus and brought the alabaster oil, a very expensive perfume, and poured it on the head of Jesus. It was a great act of worship and devotion. And it was a very, very costly act. You know, Jesus gave his life for you and me, that we might be forgiven of our sins. He then ascended to heaven. Why? So the Holy Spirit could come. And yet some of us 
we don't want the Holy Spirit. No, thank you very much. I don't want any of this stuff. But this is the very reason Jesus died and ascended to heaven, that the Holy Spirit might come. See, sometimes we need breaking open so that the Holy Spirit can flow from us. I remember vividly the day I was saved and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. God brought me to a place of absolute brokenness and surrender, as has been mentioned this morning. I knew I needed God in my life. I knew I couldn't go on anymore and God had to do something. Some months after becoming a Christian, I came afresh to a God, to God, a defeated and almost broken man because I was trying to live the Christian life in my own strength. And God broke in again to my life. He empowered me with his Holy Spirit. And I'm so, so, so thankful that he did. So thankful. Where are you this morning? If you're not a Christian, do you know that Jesus came to forgive you of your sin, the consequence of your sin? He came to deliver you from hell, because when we die, we either go to heaven or hell. There's no in-between. Through his death and resurrection, he will give you a new start in this life and eternal life. See, the church is the only hope for the world. We need churches for the Holy Spirit reaching out to their communities, their workplaces with the gospel in both word and deed. For it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. God saved you for this very purpose, no other. His last command to his disciples, Jesus said, was to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That is your calling. That is your ministry. It's a ministry of reconciliation, to bring people from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness into his glorious light. If it is not possible to fill with God's spirit today, why would Paul command it? The enabling power of the Spirit is our choice. It's up to you. Listen to Paul's prayer. He says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with what? With power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And he goes on, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have what? May have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long, how deep, is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with what? To the measure of the fullness of God. That's the fullness of the Spirit. In Ephesians, he says, go on being filled with the Spirit. It's not just a one-off. The results, quickly. The result of being filled with the Spirit is joy and peace. I never knew such joy and peace until I was baptized in the Spirit. Freedom. I never knew such freedom until I was baptized in the Spirit. Wholeness, a desire for holiness and righteousness. We need to live moral and upright lives in this society. A new boldness. These can all be found in Acts. I've not given you any reference because they're all in Acts. A new boldness, faith, expectation, see and experience the supernatural of God in our lives through healings and miracles, etc., Seeing people pass from death to life by the power of the Spirit. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. 
And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. We all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. I want to be drunk. Before as a Christian, I was drunk more times than I care to remember. But God saved me. And I got drunk with the Spirit instead. And it was so, so much better. It didn't cost anything for one thing. I could drive the car. See, that's what the church exists for. That's why the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost. To enable us to declare the wonderful things that God has done. Has God done wonderful things for you? Of course he has. Are you sharing those things with your work colleagues? With your neighbours, with your friends? Are you a receiver or a ridiculer this morning? Do you want to reach your family, friends, neighbours with the gospel? Then you need the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. This power is to be received by faith and is to be released by faith so we can take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Amen.